Hey everyone, Christy McClellan here, and I want to invite you to a brand new event from Lifeway Women called Feast. At this event, you'll be invited to feast on God's Word by studying the Bible in its historical, cultural context. We're going to get to know the Bible in its world, in its native habitat, text, and context. You'll experience teaching, worship led by my 25-year friend, Laura Cooksey, and fellowship with other women around the world. Come and learn with me that the living God is better than we ever knew. Visit LifeWay.com slash Feast to learn more. This is the Mark Podcast from LifeWay Women. We're your hosts, Elizabeth Heineman and Kelly King. Each episode, we'll talk about what God is doing, how He has and is marking each of us. Sometimes that will be through interviews, and sometimes we'll have conversations around the table. We're so glad you've joined us today. Hello, and welcome to the Mark Podcast. I am Elizabeth Hyman. I'm here with my co-host, Kelly King. Hey, Kelly. Hey, Elizabeth. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's a good. It's a good day. Hey, it's a really good day because we have a new guest. Yes. And I've gotten to meet Laura before, yeah. but now I get to introduce her to our all of our Mark listeners. Yes. So, Laura Whiffler, welcome to the Mark Podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. It's so fun to be here. Oh, well, tell us. We we like for you to give us like kind of the lowdown on who you are, a little bit about your family and just the ministry that, that you um, are a part of. Absolutely. Yeah. So my name is Laura Whiffler, and um, I am a mom to three kiddos. I live with my husband and kids here in central Iowa, quite literally among the cornfields, <laughs> as you might be picturing. Uh, and I have the privilege of being the executive director and co-founder of a ministry called Risen Motherhood. And our whole hope is to help moms connect their everyday faith to the gospel and just to see how God loves and cares for everything that they do. So we have articles and social media and podcasts and all sorts of things through that ministry. And then I also um, have the immense joy of getting to be an author. So I write for both adults and children. I will say the kids, they're kind of where it's at. I love you adults, but <laughs> yeah. the kids are just so fun to get to write for. So I'm super thankful that I have that opportunity and um, just are ex- am excited about future projects to be able to write for both groups as well. So Yeah. So tell us a little bit about when Risen Motherhood began and how it has changed since its inception. Because you you were a founder, right? You're a founder? Okay. So tell us a little bit about Risen Motherhood and how it got started and everything. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, it was 2017. And uh, at the time, my sister-in-law, Emily Jensen, and I, we were kind of blogging individually. I was writing about all the baby products and the things that I was using. I was like kind of a regular mommy blogger. I didn't have much of a following or anything, but I was just kind of doing that for fun. And then she was writing about a lot of these heavy theological topics and really, you know, getting published on these very, very like wise sites, you know, that people were looking to for wisdom. And at the time we started having these conversations because we both had very young children at home and we were saying, Hey, 
you know, does God care about what kind of diapers I purchase? Does mm-hmm. God care about the snacks that I serve my children? Does he care about what method I potty train with? I mean, these were like very basic questions, but any mom will know mm-hmm. that at, when your kids are really little, those feel like the biggest, most important questions you have ever asked. And so we were talking on this voice app and we realized that a lot of our friends were asking the same thing. We were essentially mm-hmm. saying, Hey, if God cares about the way that I do something, well, that I want to do it the way that God cares. And so we were really just asking that question of if he has a preference as a Christian, well, I sure want to figure out what that is. And so we started airing these conversations through a podcast. It was my sister-in-law's idea. It was not mine. I really didn't want to do it. But as we realized so many people were talking about it, we started exploring what scripture has to say about seemingly simple things like snack time and nap time and the witching hour and all sorts of things like that. And the podcast took off pretty quickly. We realized we had kind of struck a nerve. There were a lot of people talking about theology and a lot of people talking about practical. Um, and I feel like we were maybe one of the first to combine those two things in a more public way on a podcast medium. And, um, at that time, I, I mean, tons of resources are out there now, but at that time it was pretty unique. So over the years, it has, of course, expanded. We became a nonprofit three years ago. We have a team of eight women, and uh, we now have social media, and we have blogs and articles. We have tons of free resources, free Bible studies and prayer cards and all sorts of stuff that we produce for moms. Everything we do is free. We're super thankful to be able to do that through our donors. And um, yeah, it's just a great time being able to bring the hope of the gospel to moms. I think, yeah, it's so important. And yes. I think that probably a lot of our listeners also listen to your yes. podcast. Mm, and sure. I know even my daughter who has a almost two-year-old, you know, there. it's funny how, you, you know, it's been a few years since I've had a toddler and the things you forget, but she texted me and she said, okay, he just took his diaper off and wet all over the floor. We're in a new <laughs> stage of parenting. How do I deal with this? You yeah. know, and you, you think, where, where do you go to find that kind of encouragement in a biblical, godly way and kind of combining both of those? So when you think about the podcast, Laura, like, how have you seen that change? And like, how do you, how do you want to encourage those moms who are dealing with the, well, this is today, this is what I'm dealing with. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, our hope for the podcast, of course, is just to meet moms right where they are. We want to be relatable. We are the friend in the trenches. Uh, There is a lot of great material out there that's kind of this mentor mom, kind of be like me, do like me. And that is so helpful. We need that, those resources. Mm -hmm. But we're really risen motherhood and Emily and I see ourselves is more as the friend that's going to lock arms with you and say, I get it. I am in that with you right now. I know how it feels, but yet we also want to be the friend that points you to the hope of heaven, to the hope of the gospel. And so when we, when we walk through these topics with mom, you know, we often say like, we're going to, we're going to pull like the risen motherhood twist on people because a lot of times, you know, you come because you want to know, well, should I serve organic snacks? Like, is that important? <laughs> like are fruit snacks? Okay. Like right. genuinely moms are thinking about these things. And so we sort of hook them with that. And then as we bring them along, we help them understand that, Hey, it's, it's important what you do. There's there's some there's some good things to think about with what you do, but it's far more important about the state of your heart as you mm-hmm. do it. And so I remember one of our big things was potty training. And a lot of moms will know, like, you know, whipping off the diaper, like you were saying, you know, it could be a frustrating season as you teach children. Sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's hard. And I remember that was one of the things that really sought taught us to want to look to Jesus in that moment was to say, you know, should I do the three-day boot camp? Should I do the, you know, the 
three-month system. Should I do it in the summer? Do I do it in the winter? And ultimately, I just felt the Lord just saying, Laura, like, it's not about what system. There's lots of great systems. Have freedom to pick your system. But at the end of the day, I want you to be patient and kind in the process and to love your child well and to point them to me. Mm -hmm. And so that is what we really hope to bring to moms is that they will hear over and over and over again how much they are loved. And that is far less about the method that they choose and is far more about what they act like and and who they seek as they do it. Yeah, because I think it's really easy for moms to compare. And even Mm -hmm. with your children, you, you think, okay, well, my child isn't doing that yet. Mm-hmm. Um, is something wrong? Or am I, as a mom, am I missing something? Have I not done the right method? Or have I not been teaching the right things? So it is, I mean, you need those cheerleaders kind of beside you that come along beside you. So I really do appreciate that. Yeah. And I appreciate the very, very practical aspect mm-hmm. of it. Because I think I'm not a mom, but I think that that resonates, that message, that method would resonate with any life stage of just like, I care deeply about what I'm doing, but does God care deeply about this choice versus this choice? And like, how does this work? I mean, I've answered an email just this week of, from someone who was asking like about career options and just like, what does God want me to do about this? And, um, and so, I mean, of course I'm like, I'm not God, I can't tell you what to do, but I was just kind of like, it is that very practical thing of like, okay, yes, like our overall calling is to make disciples and to be a disciple, but how that plays out can come down to, do we serve organic snacks? Like it, it does come down to those little pieces. And so that's what I love about your method and your like, um, yeah, I guess method and methodology. That's the word I was trying to think of (laughs) your methodology and how you approach the very practical, but then also like, but ultimately we need to turn to Jesus and that's our hope because we can get bogged down in all those little things Mm -hmm. for sure. And frustrated. Yes. (laughs) Kelly, Kelly's look on her face is very experienced in that moment. (laughs) Oh yeah. I mean, there are, there's just those moments and and sometimes you do feel very alone. Um, And I'm, I'm really grateful you know, I, I don't know how you feel about this, Laura, but I mean, just uh, it was really important for me that I had some friends that really were my cheerleaders and they mm-hmm. still are now that we're all I mean, we are all grandmothers now. And now we're kind of even cheering each other on in this season, too. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think about that. But motherhood's complicated. I mean, how do we how do we address those different aspects? Mm. Yeah, you know, there's definitely an element that moms are going to do things differently. Because the Bible, you can't do a word search for, you know, media choices or <laughs> what kind of schooling to do even, or, you know, there, there's no topical study that you can do for most of the decisions that we're going to be facing in motherhood, which means there's probably a lot of freedom in those areas. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to have friendship with moms who make a different decision than you that you kind of feel like, well, I don't really understand that. Like I've, I feel like that's kind of wrong, but I don't really know why. Um, or I believe that I've, I've found, you know, a lot of times we can kind of gather some evidence for why a decision may or may not be right. But, you know, I think as we walk through differences with other moms, there are a few things that we can do in particular to help avoid what some people might call the mommy wars. That might mm-hmm. be a little bit of an older term. I feel like it was very popular it when was. it was. Yeah, when I was yeah. a mom mm-hmm, for sure. Yes, and and me too. When I was yeah. when I was first having children, the mommy blogger a- wars. I yeah. feel like was like oh, another iteration true. of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, where you're just kind of picking at each other and other people's decisions because they're not the same as you. And of course, 
while we maybe don't use this term today, it's certainly still very prevalent. And I think that there's a few things that we can do as believers that can help us to not come in with that mentality. And I think one thing is to first just note how we speak about our decisions. Mm -hmm. And so often we can speak in a superior way. We can maybe have suggestions that are passive aggressive um, and, or we can be even bragging about the decisions that we made. I know that there has been, yeah, times where maybe I'm not as natural as another mom. And so I kind of feel like, oh, is it okay that I'm giving my kid this prescription medication? And, you know, it can immediately sort of elicit some shame in a mom if they feel like maybe another mom is superior to them. So just in the way that we speak and showing a welcoming and unifying attitude, um, that includes the way we speak online. Sometimes people can be two different people, mm-hmm. one person uh, in, in person and they're loving and kind, but then you see that online they're sharing these sort of fiery articles and you you kind of can't make sense of that. And so just being cautious about when we're posting online, you know, does that reflect Christ and does it reflect who we are in real life? Um, and how does those things match up? Because they will influence your real life relationships. And the last couple of things I would just say is that I am always encouraged by the reality that God has not asked me to be faithful in someone else's life. Mm. He's only asked me to be faithful in mine. And I am married to my husband. I have my children. I live in my home, in my community. I don't live in that other lady's life. And I am so glad. It's actually a huge relief when you start realizing that I don't have to figure out her life. I don't have to decide what's right or wrong for her because that's between her and the Lord. And so then we can believe the best in other people. We can believe the best in other moms and trust that, hey, God's going to lead her. He is big enough and powerful enough to guide her, that that doesn't have to be our job. If, if that's welcomed in, if that's asked for, then we can be prepared to offer an answer or offer advice. But in general, I think a lot of times us just sort of keeping our noses down can be a little bit more wise in these situations and believing that God is leading each woman individually and we can trust him with that. Yeah. Yeah. In other words, one of the things you kind of said was, you know, knowing what to say when, you know, and how to say it, Mm -hmm. but then knowing the times that you just don't need to say anything. Because for instance, just decisions on schooling, Mm -hmm. that those run the gamut and everyone's situation may be unique and there may be, they may make choices depending on their particular circumstance. And I, I remember, I mean, I had friends that were all across the board on all of this, and we just chose not to make that a topic, that it was not something that, um, because each one of us, we were comfortable in the decisions that we were making at that time. And so we just had to rest in that, and we cheered each other on in that, Mm -hmm. for sure. And I think that's a message for anyone in any stage of life Mm -hmm. is what you were saying, like, God hasn't given you this other person's life. Mm -hmm. God has given you your life, your job, your mm-hmm. home, your family, like, and yeah. so the decisions that you make may, are maybe right for you, but not for someone else and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So I think that's um, just applying that in conversations, like you were yeah. saying, and um, as well as online, I think yeah. a lot of times. Well, it's, it's, yeah, it's that we often see these these role models online, whether you're a mom or not. There's an aspirational woman who mm-hmm. looks like she has it all together, and Sometimes that person can come off in a way that's like, okay, this is what, this is how to be like me. You know, this is the clothes that you buy, the food that you make, the place that you shop. And 
you know, I have to laugh because I'm like, well, that's a woman in New York City living in, the, you know, a big, huge city with an income that's four times the size of mine. And like, she's going to, of course, make totally different decisions. And that it's like fitting a round peg into a square hole. But so often we think like, oh yeah, I want to be like that. I want to do like mm-hmm. that because then I'll be like her and I'll be happy. And you know, whatever, whatever that is that we tell ourselves. And I think there is like a reality of if we are online and are influencing women and that whether that, so you have 300 followers or 300,000 followers Mm -hmm. that we are cautious about the way that we are speaking about our decisions, Mm -hmm. because I think there's like a very unfiltered side that comes out. And unfortunately, you know, us as humans, we hop on and we kind of forget too that like, oh, I need to be filtering this with wisdom as I take it in as well. And so, um, yeah, I think it's a huge life lessons for all of us to learn as we swim in the water that is, you know, 2023, it's, it's definitely a different landscape. So, yeah, I think a silly example of that is I see a lot of people post about summer sweaters, like (laughs) influencers are like, these are the cute summer sweaters. And I'm like, that is not for me in Tennessee. (laughs) We don't have summer sweaters. So (laughs) that's like a silly example of something that you are just like, oh, I could never live this life because I am not in a place where we can wear summer sweaters, you know, (laughs) at least not outside. Yeah. If you're not careful, you find yourself purchasing a summer sweater, right, you know, exactly. like you're like, oh, yeah, that's cute. Because I want to be it. like this girl. Yeah. <laughs> Add to cart. Yes. yes. <laughs> okay. Well, we're going to switch gears you just switch a little gears. bit, but yeah. this is yeah, a good conversation. But you mentioned that you have written for children and you released a children's book this year that focuses on people, including children with special needs. And this is part of your family story. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about what you hope the readers who read your book, both the little ears and the big ear and the, I don't know, I guess the big ears aren't listening to it. They're reading it. Bigger. Yeah. The little readers (laughs) and the big readers. Um, How do you, or what do you hope they will take away from the book and what is your hope for the book overall? Yeah. Oh, thanks for asking. You know, of course, I hope that like me, it's called like me, a story about disability and discovering God's image in every person. And I really hope that like me is a book that you can snuggle up on the couch with, of course, next year, you know, nieces, nephews, neighbors, children, grandchildren, all that good stuff. Um, but also, yeah, it, it comes and was written from a place of a uh, very real story in our own life where my daughter has disabilities. She has what's called rare chromo. That means that she has a a very rare disease. In fact, it's so rare that she's the only one in the world with what she has. And, um, it's just been a unique path for our family, but I've also seen really common themes as we've gotten into this world of disabilities about how oftentimes children, when they're interacting with someone who maybe moves differently or acts differently or speaks differently, a lot of times kids don't mind, but every once in a while kids will maybe think, oh, that was, that was an odd behavior or they just hit me. I don't know why they hit me or I don't know why they're jabbering at me like that. Why don't they talk? They're six. They should be able to talk. And, um, I realize that it really just takes an adult stepping in and often giving just a couple of words of guidance to help a child see that actually that child with disabilities is a lot like them, which mm-hmm. is where the title of the book comes from. And so I, hoped that this book would serve as a springboard for conversations for families, that it would be something that, you know, disabilities can be hard to know how to talk about. You can feel really nervous because I want to use the right language and I want to talk about it correctly and I don't want to like hurt anyone's feelings. And so I wanted to create a resource for families, particularly who perhaps don't have much exposure to disabilities, for them to be able to bring that home, to read this book, see all sorts of different types of disabilities and adaptive equipment, and then to be able to engage in 
having a conversation with their child about how every child is made in the image of God and they're all worthy of dignity and value and love and that we can find common ground. We can find friendship with one another and that's through finding sameness, Mm -hmm. finding and discovering that someone else is like you. And isn't that a lesson for grownups too? Oh, absolutely. Even outside of like yeah. what we were talking about, just finding yes. the image bearers in other people, the image yeah. bearer that's in other people, whether yeah. that's through a screen or in real life. Um, yeah. I think that's yeah. a lesson we can all learn. And there's so much about disabilities that I, I think we have to be honest sometimes that maybe if we're if we haven't been in their shoes or mm-hmm. we don't understand how to ask questions and how to to say, how do I do this better? Right. Um, I mean, I have a friend who she has adult onset polio and she's been in a wheelchair for many years. And one day we were at church and I caught myself, I I was just standing next to her talking and she just very kindly was like, Hey, could you like, when you talk to me, just make sure that you're in front of me because it's really hard for, for me to, for you to be at my side. Yeah. I had never thought about that, Laura. So, um, and, and I was so, I was thankful that mm-hmm. she, you know, was bold enough to just say, hey, Kelly, like, when you talk to someone in a wheelchair, like, walk around and be in front of them so they can see your face better and they can see your lips. What are things that we have to, like, maybe misconceptions or maybe some things that we could do better mm-hmm. um, in the way that we approach people with disabilities? Mm, yeah, it's a really good question. You know, I really liked how you started what what you were sharing in this story is kind of asking someone with disabilities if they're able to talk with you about it. Um, I have been really served as people have asked me, hey, Laura, how can I make my time, your time with us most successful? Mm. And that has been really helpful because I think especially as a mom to a child with a disability, um, and my daughter has intellectual disabilities primarily, although it affects her globally. But, you know, I can say, oh, you know what? I I don't, I need to be in a space that, um, has a fence or I need to be in an, in a closed room because she doesn't stay near my side. Or, you know what, maybe we need to be in a place where it's not super loud, like meeting at a park wouldn't be very helpful, but if we can meet in inside a home where it's just me and you, there's not a lot of, uh, stimulation that can be helpful. Like allowing a parent or that person with disabilities to say like, Oh, here's what I need. Giving them a chance to advocate because, I'm super proud of your friend. I feel like that was really brave of her mm-hmm. to be able to share that. And shows it shows like the depth of your guys' friendship and the closeness that you guys must have, which is really sweet. But a lot of times people with disabilities, you know, don't have that opportunity to speak up. So definitely offering a chance. And I think too, um, a lot of people have questions about disability language. I think that's like mm-hmm. a big one. And, um, you know, there's, you're going to, you won't make anyone happy. I'll just say mm-hmm. that. And I am not going to be the language police <laughs> on it, but I think that's the number one spot people get caught up is they yeah. don't know how to talk about it and they don't want to offend anyone in this, this day and age. And it makes total sense. And so I'll just give a quick thought here is that, you know, um, a lot of parents like to use the term, dis- or they like to use the term special needs uh, because it's a little bit of a softer sounding word. And it was actually coined as a way of saying disability in a softer way. Um, sort of like we say passing away instead of mm-hmm. they died. Mm-hmm. Um, but oftentimes adults prefer to be referred to as disability because special needs is softer. It can feel a little bit infantizing. And so mm-hmm. um, th- 
typically what I suggest to families is to start with using the word disability and then just follow the leader. You know, whatever that person ends up yeah. using, you can switch and pivot. Some people like differently abled. I mean, we can go, there's so many yeah. ways to talk, but that might be a good, very practical tip for your community as they're listening in that start with disability and then just like follow what they end up saying. And that can be a great way to still be able to engage in conversations with bravery and courage and not feel like you're going to accidentally hurt someone's feelings. Mm -hmm. That's a good, yeah. good help for sure. For sure. Okay. So we're going to transition back to mothers yeah, let's <laughs> and go. moms. This yeah. is just kind of like a, yeah, a I, know we're all over the I love it. Okay. Um, how can mothers champion one another, no matter the path they choose? So kind of what we we're talking about earlier, mm -hmm. um, we talked about like not assigning like a moral value to a lot of these things, or maybe not the way we speak, but what are ways that we can specifically encourage one another, however it is, whether they stay home, whether they work outside of the home, whether they, um, whatever choices they've made in education, whatever choices they've made in like food that they feed their kids or whatever it may be. Um, how can we specifically encourage one another in those different paths? Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of it is, is what we kind of shared a little bit earlier, but I think so much is in how we speak within to one another's lives and how we talk about things. And, you know, when we maybe have strong opinions about a certain thing, whether that's for something or against something, yeah. I think just being really cautious, um, reading the room, as some people might say, of understanding that you may not know where everyone in that room has been or what they've experienced or where their life has taken them. And I know that oftentimes, um, you know, I have, especially when I was younger, might state an opinion without having really understood where the listener was at and realizing that, oh, actually they know a lot more than me about mm -hmm. this particular topic. And I kind of put my foot in my mouth <laughs> a little bit. And I think as fellow women who are saying, okay, like everyone, we're going to, I don't have to be faithful in your life. You know, I want to believe the best in you. And so if we're coming with that attitude, then some of it has to go into how we're speaking to one another and how we're trusting one another with our stories and with our life experiences. And just believing that God is working in their life and that you do not have to be the Holy Spirit for mm -hmm. them. And so I think that there is, um, there is room for a lot of different types of motherhood. Mm -hmm. And that if we cannot say that something is transcendent for all of time, for all people, then we cannot make a statement on mothers to say, this is how you have to be a mother. This mm -hmm. is the only way. And that's often where I think we can get our tunnel vision is that we find one way that might, might work really well for the vast majority of moms. It really might. But if it can't work for all moms, then we can't come in with a sledgehammer against it. And so that is, I think, one of the best ways that we can encourage moms is to say, you know what, like God has given you your unique circumstance and I trust that you are faithfully following him and I want to be a cheerleader for you. Can I bring you a meal? Can I, you know, can I watch your kids? If you're a stay at home mom, help out those single moms. You know, if you're a working mom, I think you can use your professional skills to invest in spaces that stay at home moms are in and vice versa. I know I have found in my own life that I have friends that are stay at home moms and now they 
sub at the public school mm-hmm. and they are consistently being an influence there. But because I work the majority of the week, that's been more difficult for me. But yet I'm able to serve on the PTO and I'm right. able to be, bring in my administrative and leadership skills there and be influential with some of the decision makers at the school. And so we are serving really different roles, but we're supporting one another and creating a public school environment that I believe is really unique and special. And I'm so thankful. Um, but it's because there are many women in my community that love Jesus and are using their unique gifts. And we're all saying, Hey, I see, I I can do something that you can't do. I mean, this is the body at work, right? Like this Mm -hmm. is, it's really exciting actually when we all own it and we Mm -hmm. say, okay, God has really blessed you. And like, how cool is it that you can come in and do this and I'll come in and do that. And ah, look at us, you know, it's, (laughs) it's a super fun thing. So Yeah. And as an older woman, I want to just say you can encourage a younger mom by just, you know, when you observe her or you see her out and about and maybe that little toddler is throwing a temper and it's just the meltdown. I think if if we would just even stop and just say, hey, you know what? It's okay. You're a good mom. I, yeah. You're doing a good job. You're doing, I, I think women just need that encouragement a lot of times just to you're say, right. you're, you're a good mom. You're yeah. a good yeah. mom. Yeah, you're totally right. Well, Laura, this is the Marked Podcast, so we always like to leave this question for the end. But we'd love to know what has marked you in your walk with Christ. Well, I knew this question was coming, and I still feel like I have a hundred things that I could tell you. <laughs> yes, but for today, I'll narrow it in and actually talk about my own mother. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that. In particular, something that I have loved seeing her, and she she's never articulated it, but just seeing her love of getting older and her love of growing in wisdom and maturity. And she has never been one of those people that has ever gotten offended by someone calling her older or, you know, she's just like, I love being a grandma. And just every year she's like so proud of her birthday. And, you know, she's, she's fairly like simple. She doesn't wear a lot of makeup. She doesn't, she's not an extravagant personality. She is just this peaceful presence. And something I have really admired about her is, um, particularly perhaps in the day and age that I'm growing up in is that she always talks about every year, it is more of him and less of me. Mm -hmm. And what she means is that there's more of Christ showing through her than her old self. And I have loved that. And I think she's just taught me a lot about what aging well looks like, of what growing old in the faith looks like, and just of the beauty of sort of just a, a simple path forward and that it doesn't, life doesn't have to be flashy. I don't have to, you know, go for all the wins. Cause I'm a kind of a, a opposite personality of her. Um, but just that humble fa- faithful walk towards faithfulness and how God's going to sanctify you. And I think that that's been something that's been really challenging for me as I walk through different things and face different things, just thinking, you know, I want to, I want to have a faith like hers that trusts that every year I go forward, whatever the suffering, whatever the hardship, whatever it is, that it is, it is making me more and more into the image of Christ. And that's our goal, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's our goal is to look more and more like Christ. And I think when on those really hard days, when that suffering is really deep, um, I often think, okay, Lord, I, I I can go, I can do this for 20, 30, 40 more years if it means that I'm more prepared for you. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want to be. I want to be prepared when I arrive. That's what my mom talks about a lot. And um, whatever he sees fit to bring into my life, then I want to have a posture that says I receive and I accept this. And um, 
I trust his plan so that someday when heaven comes, cause it's, it's real and we're headed there. And that's so yeah. exciting <laughs> that, that I'm ready to see my King and my savior. And, um, I'm excited for that day. So that's a good phrase to be prepared mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. heaven and preparing for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. Like Laura, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been such a great conversation and we would encourage our listeners to go check out some of the resources mm-hmm. at Risen Motherhood. Check out Laura's new book. It's a, I, I, I gave it to my daughter um, to add to her library because I think it's such an important message for all of our children to to read those stories and to learn how to to see other people like us and to see that everyone is made in God's image. So thank you again for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, listeners, we are appreciative of you and thank you for joining us this week and we'll be back next week. Bye. We are very excited to have um, our next installment of our story with Edward, and we are excited to hear more about his story and how Operation Christmas Child marked his life. Yeah, I love the story that you shared about just how you received uh, the shoebox, and it was an outreach event, but your community was changed and marked by just the shoeboxes. So tell us a little bit about how your community was changed. You know, when God marked your heart, you have a sign. You can't hold it by yourself and just hide it somewhere. You have to show it to everybody. You have to share it. When my dad received Christ, he shared it to others. When I received my miracle as a shoebox, I have to share it. I have to tell people, this is how I was marked. This is how I was touched. And I'm going to give you back. And my yo-yo was that transition. I was the only kid in my neighborhood that received a yo-yo in the shoebox. That puts all the kids in my neighborhood that don't know Christ to come to my house to <laughs> ask for the yo-yo, to take it to their house, to show it to their parents. Mm-hmm. And their parents will have the curiosity to come to my house in the Christian family ask about the yo-yo and ask about the shoebox, and my parents will have the opportunity to share the gospel with them. Mm-hmm. When I saw that, I told God, I want to be like a yo-yo. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to give your love and your message in the simple way as a fun toy. And God did it. I was involved in everything in my community, helping in the kids, youth, soccer, any kind of sport, any kind of activity, just for me to be there as a sign that God put in my heart and said, I set you apart to be the voice of the gospel. And when God put that mark in your heart, the only thing you have to do is to share it back. And is what I was doing with my community. That's so great because when I think about when we pack shoe boxes, sometimes we're, we're going in and we're thinking about the gifts, but we have to trust that the Lord is going to use that in a way that can really not just change that child's life, but it can impact the opportunity to share the gospel. So thank you for sharing that with us today. And for, for more information on how to pack a shoebox, you can find that in our show notes. As you've heard from Edward, Operation Christmas Child delivers good news and great joy to children around the world through gift-filled shoeboxes. 
Shoebox Gifts provide an opportunity to present the gospel to boys and girls in a clear, child-friendly way. And you can pack a shoebox too. Drop off your packed shoebox during the third week of November at one of their 4,500 drop-off locations across the country. Visit SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC for more information. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to join in on the conversation, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Kelly D. King and at E.D. Heineman. Use the hashtag MarkedPodcast to connect with us. You can also find Lifeway Women on all social media channels at Lifeway Women. All of today's show notes will be posted at LifewayWomen.com slash podcast. If you love the show, leave an iTunes review. It's a great way for other people to hear about the podcast. We'll see you next time. Home should be a place where we feel at peace, where we can be ourselves, where we feel loved. For a lot of us, though, home is a place of heartache, hurt, and loneliness. As believers, Christ promises us an eternal home. But what does that actually look like? And how do we deal with our current homesickness? I recently wrote a Bible study called Come Home for Women, and I'm so excited that Come Home will also be available for teen girls. It's perfect for small groups, helps girls answer important questions, and gives us a richer understanding of what kind of home God's building for us. The release date for Come Home for Teen Girls is August 1st, but you can pre-order it now at lifeway.com slash come home. Don't miss out on this opportunity to help girls belong and be loved. Again, you can pre-order it today at lifeway.com slash come home.